wonder what it was like to go into the Holy of Holies. There was a, it wasn't a, it wasn't a fun thing, I'm going to tell you all that much. It was a very serious thing for the, the high priest and him alone to go into the Holy of Holies. It was, I, I would imagine it's probably not something he looked forward to. It was probably, because he only did this once a year. And he knew, you do the wrong thing. You slip up in the slightest manner, and you're going to fall dead. They would tie a rope around his ankle, and when they stopped hearing that bell jingle, well, drag him out. Things didn't go right. I think back to uh, a passage of Scripture where they had completed building the temple and everyone begins to sing the praise of God and, and His presence descends into the temple. And it says that the, the priest couldn't even stand to minister because His presence was so strong there. And I think about those two different things and, and how we desire the presence of God but there's something in us Thank God we don't have to worry about this anymore, but there's something in us that says, maybe I better not get too close. It's like there's still that remnant of this fear of God, and I don't mean in a healthy way. Like We should have a healthy fear of God because He is God. But we're in a time, we live in this time right now where we are, if we are children of God, if we've been saved and redeemed and bought with the blood, that we're covered by the blood. And that is the thing, the only thing that allowed that priest to go into the Holy of Holies, into the presence of God, was the blood. So we don't have a reason to fear. In fact, God in His Word has, has invited us to come Come before me, bring everything before me boldly before the throne of grace. Here I am. Man, there's still that reluctance in us sometimes to allow His presence to move and do in our lives what He wants to do. We've got to recognize who He is, but we also need to recognize who we are through Him. Praise God for His goodness his, his presence is here today let's go to the Lord in prayer before we get into the message Lord God we, we come before you humbly knowing and recognizing today that you are the God the all powerful omnipotent omnipresent God the only one that is eternal the only one that has stepped into this timeline and made himself known, and made a way for us to have fellowship with you. Lord, we love you, we praise you, we give you honor and glory today. We, we don't want to diminish the value of who you are by trying to put words to it, but that's the best we can do. So Lord, we just thank you for your presence here, and we ask that you continue to be with us through the rest of this service, especially, and Lord, I just pray right now that you send your anointing, Lord, your Oh, God, your presence is here in a mighty way. I pray that you would anoint me to speak and help me to say the things that are needed today, things that are in accordance with your will and 
not my own, God. Lord, remove anything in me that's not of you. I pray that for this entire congregation today. Lord, burn away the things that are not of you. That only the thing that's left, Lord, the, that would only be the things that are, that are holy, that are righteous, that are pure. Lord, we just thank you for your goodness, your mercy, your grace. We ask that you move in this place today and do a mighty work. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn with me this morning to the book of Exodus, chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3. Before we read this passage this morning, I want to just kind of give you a little illustration, something to think about. <clears throat> if you ask me to go and uh, take delivery of an item for you, let's just say you had ordered something, and I know this is a little bit... Uh, old school because most people just have things delivered to their house nowadays. They don't have to have people go pick up stuff for them, right? We don't need each other. So let, let's just, just bear with me, just kind of get into the story for a moment. Let's assume that you had ordered something. You called over to Lufkin, let's say. I'm totally making all this up, right? And you had placed an order for an item, but you didn't have the opportunity to go and pick it up, up yourself. And you called and said, hey, uh, would you mind going to this place in Lufkin and pick this item up for me? What am I going to do when I arrive at that location? I'm going to say, I'm here to pick up an item. And you know what they're going to say? They're going to say, okay, well, you need to pay for it. And they're going to say, and I'm going to look at them, I'm going to say, well, yeah, this is already paid for. And they're going to say, oh, okay, is that right? Well, who is it for? And then I'm going to have to do something. I'm going to have to give the name of the person that ordered this thing and paid for it, right? I'm going to have to convey to them who it's for. I can't just show up and not say who it's about or what it is or anything like that. I have to relay the information that you gave to me. And so I'm going to show up and I'm going to say, hey, Aaron sent me to pick this up. He has already paid for it over the phone with his credit card. I'm just the delivery guy. And they're going to look at their records and they're going to say, oh, yeah, we have that right here. Let me go get it for you because you're here for Aaron. Does that make sense? So now let's read this passage of Scripture. In Exodus chapter 3, verse 13, it says, Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Moreover, God said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. 
this is my name forever, and this is my memorial to all generations. I am. I am. Not I was. Not I might be. Not there's a strong possibility. <laughs> Weird name. Not I'm going to be at some future point in time. We'll see what works out and how we get there. I am. And notice what he said first. He said, I am who I am. And, and that, it's almost kind of a conundrum for us to understand what it was God was trying to convey through these simple terms. But, but let's just dive into it a little bit today because it is, it is something that we need to understand today as children of God how it is that God wants us to know Him. He says, I am. Israel was God's chosen people. He hand-selected Abram. He named him Abraham. He promised the son to Abram, to Abraham. And through a miraculous chain of events, we talked about last week, even though there was no possible way that Abraham and Sarah could have a a child, they did because God is God. And so out of this promised child, God brought the nation of Israel. And this was God's chosen people foreordained before the foundations of the world were laid. God orchestrated the entire thing and said, you are my people. These people knew who God was. He, he elaborated a little further past I am by, by making the reference to the God of Abraham, the God of Jacob, all these different things so that people would even further understand, oh yes, we are talking about the same God. Why was it that I am should have been enough though? God had a pre-established relationship with them. God was known to be eternal. You see, the, the children of Israel knew who God was. And what we're the, the the place that we're jumping into scripture here is Moses encountering this burning bush and, and God is about to send him to is the nation of Israel who is in captivity in Egypt and to lead them out of captivity. These people in captivity for over 400 years, they, through tradition, through passing down through their children, they still know who this eternal God is, and they recognize that He is not a God of just right now. He's not God, a God of just yesterday. You know, it would have been really easy for them in captivity to say, well, yeah, we, we remember who Abraham and Jacob, all these people are in the past. That was their God. But no, they still recognize that this is not only the God of the past, but He's the God of right now. And so when, when He comes and He shares with them the God, I am, sent me to you, it meant something to them. 
God knows exactly how to speak to you and to make Himself known to you. And He knew this was a way they would know exactly who He was talking about. That name or phrase, I am, spoke to them of the qualities of the only true God. The qualities that He possessed. Only Him. So what does that really mean to you today? You and me. See, I'm not an Israelite. I'm not a Jew. I'm not a Hebrew. I've never even been to Egypt. What, what does it mean to me today to know that he still goes by that same name? And you say, well, he's never, never made that name known to me. Well, in his word, he has. We'll, we'll get to some of that in a minute. This is still for now. This, this isn't just something that happened in the Old Testament thousands of years ago. This is still for right now. First of all, uh, in, in terms of what it means to you, what it should mean to you today, um, he is, he goes by this description in the Bible. It says, who is, and who was, and who is to come. So, past, present, and future. I am. Four times in Revelation, the book of Revelation, he's referred to in that phrase, that manner right there, who is, and was, and is to come. Jesus himself, in Revelations chapter 1 and 8, as he speaks to John, he says, I am the Alpha and Omega, and he goes on to elaborate and finishes it up with who is and was and is to come. Jesus identifies himself as I am. What does that mean, though? What, how, does that, how does that impact my relationship with God? How does that impact the way I view God? And, and how does that mean that He's going to interact with me? First of all, He is here in this moment with you. And y'all, that is so important. It is so easy for us to think of God in a historical manner. And we might can even look into the future and say, man, I hope God does this. But we have got to be reminded daily that God is here right now. It's not just something that happened in the past. It's not just something that might happen. He's happening right now. He is here right now in the midst not only of this building, but in the midst of your life and your problems and your situations. He is in the middle of that. It's not just I was, it's just not I will be, it's I am right now. <laughs> He's always with us. He promised He'd never leave us. In the book of Psalms 46 and 1, it says that He is a very present help in trouble. Very present. I don't know about your situations that you're going with, uh, going on, going that are going on in your life right now. 
in 2021, the, the round two, right? I don't know. I know there's a lot of serious problems that people have to deal with today, and, and uh, I don't want to in any way make light of that because they are serious. We forget. <laughs> we lose sight of the fact that He is a very present, very present help in trouble. How many times have you prayed or thought, saying, I just wish God would show up and do what He does? He, he's here. You say, Well, it doesn't feel like He's here. I can't help that. <laughs> That's your feelings. They're wrong. They'll lie to you every time. Don't trust them. Don't trust your heart. Your heart is de deceptively wicked. But what you can trust is what God's Word says and that He is true and faithful to fulfill His promises. And when He says, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you, I'm a very present help in trouble, He's saying, I'm the friend that sticks closer than a brother. Listen, you can take his word for it and believe that when he says that, he, he is referring back to the same name he gave Moses to reference himself by, I am. He was there in the beginning. We want to talk about the past for a minute? He was there in the beginning. I don't mean just the beginning of creation. Because everybody that has any belief in the same God we believe in can, can believe that, that, okay, God created the heavens and the earth. We know what Genesis says. But He was there in the beginning of you. Jeremiah referred to it this way. He says, before I formed you, this is God speaking to Jeremiah. Okay? I would just challenge you to try to pull Jeremiah out of that situation and put yourself right there. And listen to what God is trying to say. He says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nation. See, the God of yesterday can't do that. The God of it hasn't happened yet can't do that, just really. That's the God of I am. I see the end, I see the beginning, I see everything in between, and I know what I want you to be because He is the designer, the creator. He, he didn't just set things in motion and let's see how this plays out. Sometimes we feel like that in our life that, well, things just happen to us. And, and there's no real order. It's just, well, I made a bad choice and then I went the wrong way. Man, if I would have just changed this back here, maybe I would have had a different outcome in my life. Look, there are repercussions and consequences for the choices we make, but I'm here today to tell you that the God I am knew all of that before He ever planted you in your mother's womb. He knows your beginning and your end and everything in between. Not only is He here in this moment, not only is He there in the beginning, but He also goes before us. What does that mean for Him to go before you? 
John the Baptist said something similar, that he was there to go before Jesus, to kind of prepare the way. He's not the way, but he was there to shine light on the one that is. So what does that mean then when we talk about this in reference of God and you? He, he goes before you. He sees all things before we do. He knows all things that are going to take place because he's already there. I know this is one of them back to the future number two kind of scenarios. It starts to get really confusing when we try to think of things in a linear timeline and then compare that to God. If you ain't seen back to the future two, I'm sorry you don't get it. We've all seen those movies, though, where they start jacking with the timeline and, and all of a sudden something that used to be this way, somebody made one little change and now it's different. If we could only just go to the future and see what's there and then, and then maybe come back and we mess up and we come back to the wrong place and do the wrong thing and all of a sudden our whole future's changed. God is already there. 2,000 years ago, God's already there. 2,000 years in the future, God's already there. God is already here. So how do we wrap our little feeble minds around that? All I can do today is to share with you what God has shared with us through His Word is that I am. He is all-sufficient. He's self-sufficient. He's all-powerful, all-knowing. He is everywhere, not just in this world right now in this particular time that we're sitting in, but He is everywhere throughout time. There is If we look through the Word, we see testimony after testimony of God's presence, and we see in the book of Revelation, which is a book that has not happened yet, we see God throughout all of eternity, beginning to end, God is there. In Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 8, it says, And the Lord, He is the one who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear nor be dismayed. He is the one who goes before you. Maybe you're thinking today, well, if He's going before me, why doesn't He remove all of these obstacles that I'm encountering? That's a very good question. I don't have all the answers to these questions, y'all. But I know this. I want you to just stop and consider for a moment. Um, what would it be like if he didn't go before you? What kind of things would you encounter then if he wasn't going before you and preparing the way? Maybe, maybe he doesn't completely remove every mountain that's in your path, but maybe he knocked the tops off of the mountain. Maybe He's bringing you through those trials for a reason, for a purpose, that He has a plan. Remember who we're talking about. I am the one that knows the end, the one that knows where you need to be. And do you trust Him to get you there? I, I'm not trying to tell you that they ought to be enjoyable, but the Bible does tell us that we should rejoice when we encounter those trials because there's something being worked in us. Maybe 
what you're going through was left there for your good. That's hard to imagine. Maybe God is using that trial, that obstacle, that thing that's in your way that you keep banging your head against to grow your faith and your dependence on Him. The nation of Israel uh, left Egypt and went straight into the Promised Land. There everything was great. If you have ever read the Bible or watched a movie on TV called The Ten Commandments, you know that's not the case. Forty years. Y'all, it don't take that long to walk from Egypt to the Promised Land. Have y'all ever considered that? You can walk around this world time and time again in way less than 40 years if you can walk on water. Okay, so the, the, the trip is, is not the distance. That's not what took the time. In fact, early on, if you do a little reading, you'll see early on in that time period, they were sitting at the border of the promised land. I promise you I'm going somewhere. They sent in these spies to spy out the land, and they all come back with a bad report except for two. Joshua and Caleb. God got a little upset with them. He said, y'all are never going to get it. Never going to get it. You're never going to trust me. You're never going to turn. Why, why would God say something like this that is so condemning? Because He knows. <laughs> he knows. He cursed these people to wander in the wilderness for 40 years until an entire generation of stiff necked people that were longing to go back into bondage in Egypt instead of trusting God died. Their children had to wander in the wilderness for 40 years waiting on these knuckleheads to die off so they could inherit the promise of God. Why is that important to note? think God knew before they ever got there? Yeah, He did. But look at the faithfulness of God. He took them anyway. He brought them to it. He's always given us an opportunity to repent, to turn from those ways. Do you think somewhere in that 40 year time period, if they would have repented, that God would have relented and let them go in? There's a possibility. But it took them 40 years to just die. God was accomplishing His will. God, the I Am, knew exactly what it was going to take to get the right people in the right place. He knew exactly how to get them there. He knew it was going to take this time. Along the way, what happened? Look, we can look back at history and we see through, through the, uh, the word that, that many miracles were performed in the sight of these people. 
Many times God did things while they were in the wilderness that caused them further. They, they had more and more opportunities to say, you know what, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to believe that he is, He's been faithful. He has went before us. He's been behind us. He's been all around us. He's been moving mountains physically, literally, in our path. He's been making a way where there was no way. I'm going to just surrender and I'm going to give myself to Him and trust that He's able and willing that they wouldn't do it. Now the next generation did. They saw it. They trusted God. They believed in Him. They went into the promised land. I'm not saying they were perfect and they never failed, but what they saw was that everywhere they went, when they trusted God, God went before them. God was their rear guard. God was all around them working in their midst. When they trusted Him, when they depended on Him, they realized that this wasn't just a God that our fathers had talked about. But He is real. He is here right now. He is in the middle of every situation in our life. The Lord, He is the one who goes before you. Y'all, what does that mean for us today? How, how, do we, how do we take that and get something out of it for our lives I've already said, I don't know what situation you're struggling with right now, but I promise you this, that God is here in this moment with you, and He's going before you, preparing a way. Now, are you going to be stiff-necked? Are you going to say, no, nah, I ain't trusting you, God? Or, are you going to humble yourself and say, you know what, I couldn't possibly have all the answers. I couldn't possibly see what's coming around the corner, but God can, and I'm going to trust Him. Why should you trust God? There is, there is a critical component that you must have in order to just blindly trust God like that. You have to know who He is and that He loves you. If you don't believe or trust that God loves you, you won't believe and trust that He has your best interest at heart. You won't believe and trust that God knows what He's doing and He's looking out for you. That He's watching what's coming and He already knows what's going to be there. That, that maybe this trial you're going through, He has a purpose and a plan in it. God did, the, His Word does not say He will make everything good in your life, but it does say He will make all things, good or bad, Work together for your good. We go through some bad things, church. We go through bad, terrible things. I've seen people that have just went through tremendous trials and storms in their life. And, and you would look at it and you say, what, what kind of good God would allow that? And those are tough to answer. I wish I had the answers to them. I wish I could understand why people have to deal with losing their child or, or going through traumatic events in their life that just aren't, aren't good, man. They're, they're wrong. Why do they have to go through that? I don't understand. But I know God. And I know that He can make all those things, whether they're good or bad, work together for my good. He can make good come out of those things. So do you trust Him today? 
And do you know him that he is I am? He's been there before it ever was. He'll be there when it's all gone. And he's here right now. He is a very present help in trouble. Y'all want to just take a moment today before we dismiss to just have a moment of prayer. If you would like to pray, you need somebody to pray with you. There's, there's plenty here that will pray with you. I'll pray with you. Um, you can come and pray by yourself. But I want to take just a moment today before we get out of here that we, just, we let some of this sink in and, and we examine ourselves and see areas of our life where we have not trusted God like we should. We've not surrendered to him like we should. We've um, basically through lack of trust leaned on our own understanding instead of trusting him. And I ask you today before you leave this place that you just commit to him today that uh, you recognize that that is wrong, that that's not the way he wants us to be. And that you just call on him and say, Lord, I need you. I want you to take charge in my life and lead me. So if you want to come and pray today, these altars are open.